0: I'm just going to read this passage of scripture and then we'll be able to sit. Luke 24, 44 to 49, Acts 1 verse 8. Now listen, when we think about what we call the Gospels, there are four of them. They are not four Gospels, there are four accounts of the one Gospel by some of the disciples of Jesus or some of the disciples of their disciples. And each of them are telling the same story, but they are looking at it from one vantage, a different vantage point. What we often call the Great Commission is taken from Matthew's Gospel. But in John's Gospel, you also have its own account. Matthew's Gospel, go ye out into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything. I've commanded you. John's own is peace be unto you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. But Luke's account, Luke writes two books. There is the first book of Luke and there's the second book of Luke. The first book of Luke is the book of Luke as we call it. This is the account of all that Jesus began to do and to teach, the first one. The second one, Is the account of what Jesus' followers began to do and to teach. But the Great Commission in Luke is in between the two of them. It is at the end of the first one and repeated with a different slant at the beginning of the second one. Hear now the word of the Lord. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled. That is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophet, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Somebody say power. Power. But there is an expansion of this. But you will receive Power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And at that point, you will no longer be stuck in Jerusalem. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Power comes in Jerusalem, and it cannot stay there. Samaria, the uttermost part of the world. When power falls from on high, it spreads everywhere. We've been speaking this conference about the gospel on the move. And one of the things we said is that there is no Christian that is not called and commissioned. You hear the call of the kingdom. And now we are called to call people into the kingdom. We hear the call. We have to take the gospel to the nations. But imagine if I showed somebody a beautiful picture of Cape Town. Imagine if I showed my 10-year-old and my 6-year-old a beautiful picture of Cape Town. And I said, go to Cape Town. How can they get there? Without the ability to get there. They've heard the call. But they need something else. They need the ability to go. And as a responsible father that gives them the call. I must give them the enablement to go there. God gives the call. But God sends the power. And this night in our closing. I want to in a sense take A panoply of the scriptures and show us what powerful mission is all about. Not so that we can sit here. Power is going to fall here. And guess what's going to happen? It is going to spread in the name of Jesus Christ. Power is coming down. Turn to your neighbor and say, power is coming down. And now you may have your seats in the name of Jesus Christ. There is no such thing, really, as a powerless Christian. A powerless Christian is like a married bachelor. Doesn't exist. If you say you don't have power as a Christian, then I'm not going to question the power. I'm going to question whether you are a Christian. There is no such thing as a powerless Christian. Because there is no such thing as a God who sends without power. Are you following me? And there is no such thing as a Christian who is not sent. But many times, when we talk about power in the Christian faith, whether you've been here for a while as a Christian or maybe you are not even a Christian, we often don't like that word. Some of us, especially the more educated types among us. Because you grew up in churches where all you heard was power. And you didn't have a lot of of knowledge. There was a lot of heat. There was no light. So wherever you heard power, all you ever thought about was one sweaty pastor like this. His body was doing a lot of work, but his brain was totally absent. So when we hear power, we balk. And yet, I can't tell you how many times the Bible mentions power. Part of the problem is that we've not set power in its proper context. And I want to set it up in this way. My friend, Pastor Christian, I don't know if he's here. um, Yesterday, he was preaching. And I was a bit disturbed. Because as he was preaching, he brought in michael jackson on the one hand <laughs> then he brought in beyonce on the other hand and i was scared i was like is rihanna going to show up <laughs> well you know when i was growing up because i love music and music is the thing i used to memorize a lot it motivates me does so many things and i love all kinds of music and i want to say i want to um illustrate something With two particular songs that I grew up with. The lyrics of the song, some of you may know the first one. I think most of us will know the first one. Part of the lyric goes something like this Because the greatest love of all is happening to me. I found the greatest love of all inside of me. The greatest love of all is easy to achieve. Learning to love yourself, it is the greatest love of all. At least he didn't say that the children are the leaders of tomorrow. He just says they are the future. I believe the children are the future. That's one concept of love. Very nice song. And then I want to contrast it with this one. Probably my favorite male singer of all time. The guy called, that was the first one, By was by who? Whitney Houston. The second one, also he's late. But this man's voice was none like this man's voice. His name is Luther Vandross. Uh, some of the couples now are thinking about home. <laughs> I don't know, this is church. So close your eyes and you can feel it. Coming straight from above. It's the power of love. You can't deny it. So don't even try it. Let the feeling sweep you off your feet. You've got to believe in love. It's a feeling that's next to none. Can't stop until we are one with the power of love. Tell everyone you see how much better the world could be for them and for you, for you and for me with the power, what? Of love. Those are two diametrically opposed concepts in those two songs. Did you see what was going on? The first one tells you that the greatest love of all is inside of me. Learning to love Yourself is the greatest love of all. Where is the direction? Going this way. It comes from outside and it is going this way. It is contracting. The other one tells you that, I love another part where it says, a symphony from above. Oh, is the power of love. It says, coming straight from above is the power of love of love. Tell everyone you see how much better the world could be. Where is the direction of that one? Going out. One is contracting. It's called self-love. The other one is expanding. It is called other love. The first one tells you about the love of power. The second one tells you about the power of love. Let me tell you something. When the Bible says God is love, it is telling you this. The central character of God is love and every other thing comes out of it. His holiness, his wisdom, his righteousness, his power. As Christians, we believe not in the love of power... Because the love of power is always contracting until it contracts you. But the power of love starts from within and goes out. One starts with power, but is the love of it. The other one starts with love and then power goes out. God is love. God is not power. God has power because God is love. Should I prove it to you? For this power creates things. God is love. If love is truly what love is, love always seeks another. If it says God is love and God is eternal, who has God been loving from the beginning when God is one? Should I say it again? Love is always seeking the good. It's always about another. God is eternal. God is one. If God then is eternally loved, who has he been loving from the beginning? And now we get into some good theology. God is one, but that one is a multiple one. The Father has loved me from the beginning and I've also loved the Father. You can only have love truly in God if God is one, but there's a multiplicity of the persons in that one God. Amen? So the father loved the son because the father has existed from all eternity. And the son loves the father because the son has existed from all eternity. And because they have loved each other from all eternity, God is love. And nothing unites like love, isn't it? If there is perfect love in the Father and the Son, if there is perfect love, then they can only be one. Is this too deep for us? Love between them, Father and Son, from all eternity, God is love. You see, if you have a God that is one and is singular, then he can never be love. He can only be power. And there is a religion that says... If God is one and is power... Then the ultimate thing relationship we can have with God... Is submission, not love. You submit. But for God so loved the world... I'm getting ahead of myself. So if God is love... What does this have to do with power? He's loved himself from all eternity. Now somebody says... Oh father, son... I heard about one Holy Spirit. Oh, you know who the Holy Spirit is? As the Father sends his love towards the Son, the carrier of that love is the Holy Spirit. As the Son sends his love towards the Father, the carrier of that love is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who carries love everywhere he goes. And if it is true love, That love, as I said, is an expanding force. It creates things. Love always creates things. Self-love destroys things. So this love in this God from all eternity was a love that that is why God is in need of nothing. He is perfect in himself. But here is the thing about the love of God and any true love that the love that is there is expanded. So it goes outside of him. And so, the love that was carried between the Father and the Son was going to be carried outside. And this is how your Bible opens up. Genesis 1, 1 1-2. Give it to me. In the beginning, God from all eternity, God. He created the heavens and the earth. How did he create the heavens and the earth? Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God, the carrier of love, he moved over it. The only thing that can happen at that point is creation. Power of love. Wherever the spirit moves, he creates something. Love, love, love. Remember, after this creation, because after it says, God then said, let there be light, and there was light. Love before light, and then creation. And so when Adam fell because of self-love, and we have all of this destruction, and then there is the redemption story that comes, and then we have Jesus Christ, and then, The old creation that is going away, God says, I want to start a new creation. How did he start the old creation? He put the spirit and the spirit brought light. How do you think the new creation is going to start? 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4 to 6. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord. And ourselves for your servants for Jesus' sake. Now look at verse 6. It takes you back to creation. For God who said, light shine out of darkness. Before the light was the spirit, wasn't it? That same light has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. For if any man is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. But how does that new creation come? If we are dead in sins, if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he would also give life to you. He is the spirit of love. Or in Romans chapter 5 verse 5, let me put it all together. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has what? Been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He pours out the love and then the love gives us life. Or if you want one more, here is the father in heaven. The son from all eternity puts on flesh. And now he is going to be baptized by John the Baptist. And as he's doing that, it says that after he came out of the water, the spirit descended upon him as a dove. And there was a voice in heaven saying what? This is my, because the spirit comes on him. Are you following me? Both whether it is creation or new creation, it is the love of God that creates things. And so when the love between a man and a woman who unite in love, when they physically meet together, the man gives his substance to the woman and out of that, we call it, Making what Uh, you know because we're in church, we don't want to say it. They, when they make, there's a reason why it's called when they make, and the thing of the man scores goal and hits the woman's own, what is created an embodiment of their love? Love always creates. If you put power before love you will bring a power that destroys. But if you put love before power, it is always a power that builds up. Paul says about the Corinthians, I love you guys, I love you guys. Why are you doing this? He said, I I should use the authority God has given me, but I'm not giving that authority to tear you down. There is a power that tears down. It is not... The power of love, it is the love of power. But if you have the power of love, he says that this authority was given to me to build you up. The power of love is an expanding force. The love of power is a contracting force. Love, power. But power is used to do Good. So in one of the texts we looked at throughout the conference, in Acts chapter 10, verse 37, it says, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and And because it was the Holy Spirit and power, and because the Spirit is the Spirit of love, What do you think Jesus went around doing? Doing good. And what was he doing? He was healing people. Healing is a form of recreation. Who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. May the Lord be with you. The gospel we say is the preaching, if you like, of God's love in one way, right? For God so loved the world. It's true. But Paul says something about the same gospel in Romans 1.16, doesn't it? The gospel is the message of love. But he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is what? The love? It is the power of God unto salvation. Because it is a message of love, that message of love brings with it power, the power to bring the dead to life. It's a recreative force. Are you following me? Now that same power, because power in one way, we should think about it. Sometimes we have this, because I just quoted Jesus healing uh, 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 people and it is absolutely true. That's one manifestation of the power. But power in one way, you can talk about it as God giving a grace. You can talk about it as God giving an ability. In fact, let me give you this definition of God's power. Right? Power, we can call it the gracious ability to be who God wants us to be and to do what God wants us to do. It's like an ability. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, many of us like this scripture. It says... Go to 17 first. You may say to yourself, my power and strength and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Your own power. And once you do that, anybody that says, I am a made man, believe me, that's the kind of man that looks at his wife and says, "Ah, ah, all this money I've been giving you. Look at my money on top of you. Because he's a made man. I produced it by myself he says that is terrible but verse 18 he says but remember the lord your god for it is he who gives you the ability some other translations is what the power to produce wealth and so confirm his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today so it is an ability now don't only think about this ability as one to just perform miracles Do you know that there are many Christians in some sense who say they have so much ability, but actually they don't have power? You know why? Look at 2 Timothy 3, 3, verse 5. He says, There are some who have a form of godliness, but are denying its power. You may have the form of a Christian. You may wear a crucifix. You may not put on a wig. You may not put on lipstick. You may only put on flat, you may only put on skirt, you may He says you can have the form, but your character, there's something wrong with it. Do you know why people have bad characters? Do you know why? It's not because they're not just being dis- disciplined or all that. They lack power. You can't mold someone's character by yourself. You need to do it so that is why when he says you will be my witnesses what is a witness a witness is someone that has seen something and as a result of what they've seen it changes who they are and it changes what they say there are so many people who say things about God but it is obvious that they have never been with God they are not witnesses When Peter saw Jesus resurrected, the same Peter that was denied Jesus three times is the same Peter when they said, stop speaking about it. He said, you judge whether we should obey God or men. He had seen something. He could not be the same person again and he could not say the same thing. Are you a true witness? The only way you can be a true witness, I will give power And then you'll be my witnesses. Man, turn to your neighbor and say, We need power. power. The gospel needs people with power. That is what this passage is telling you. Without power, the powerful gospel cannot advance. Don't leave. Don't leave, stay. When power comes, that power is going to recreate everything. So when the Holy Spirit comes, it always comes with power. You think about it. That is why, you see, sometimes in church, what happens is we bifurcate things that we shouldn't bifurcate. We'd like to talk about, yeah, the gifts of the Spirit. We then talk about the most important thing is not, have you never said this? The most important thing is not the gifts, it is the fruit. Have you never said that? The Holy Spirit is laughing at you if you say that. The Holy Spirit is laughing at you if you say that. Because that would be like talking to me and saying, the most important thing about me is that I am Tosin's husband, not, fa- uh, well, not uh, Tofumi's father. I am Tosin's husband and Femi's father. Why are you trying to separate the two? The spirit that gave you gifts is the spirit that says you should work it out in character. Check Romans chapter 12 when he lists the gifts of the Spirit. Do you know how it starts? He says, "Let after he lists the gifts of the Spirit and says you are one body, the next thing he says is, let love be sincere among you. You can't separate them. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he gives you all the gifts of the Spirit and he shows you a more excellent way, not a more excellent way that this one is better, but this is how you use the gifts I have just spoken to you about. The love, the gifts of God, the ability of, of the Spirit are meant to be used in the character of the Spirit. And so many times when we get suspicious, it is because of a misuse. Many people want to use their abilities out of self love, not out of true love. Are we following? And so we need power. No, it is not 23 gifts of the Spirit. It is not nine. It is all the abilities God has given us. What is it that you have that you have not received? So whether it is your prophecy, whether it is your teaching, but not just those ones. Your singing, do we say because there there is no singing under the list of the gifts of the Spirit, then the singing belongs to, is a natural talent, as what we say. Both the one that you call natural or not, once the Holy Spirit comes, they all belong to him. So, if we need power, let me quickly talk about how we lose power. There are four ways that I've just put here. Because you can lose power. You can shut yourself out of power. You can reduce the power. Let me just say very quickly to somebody that is here, that is not a Christian. Ah. Can I tell you something loving? Can I tell you something loving? You don't have access to power. But you can. But the way you access power is not by trying to look for the power. It's trying to look for the love. And then you get the power. There is a love that God has offered that nobody can offer you. Whitney Houston says, the greatest love of all is learning to love yourself. Jesus says, greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for his friends. He's laid down his life for you. You say, Oh, but I know somebody, my girlfriend or my that I slept with last night can lay down my life for me. Yes, but if she lays down her life for you, you will not live again. It will be ineffective. It will be nice, cute, but ineffective. Jesus offers you his death so that you can live again. And he guarantees that you live again because he also lives again. Oh, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Now, if you do, you have that power. But there are terrible things you can do without power. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says it is possible for you to quench the Holy Spirit. You quench the fire. You are pouring water on it. In Ephesians 4 verse thirty, he says it is possible for you, like the Holy Spirit has emotion, it's possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. When we do this, we are losing power. And let me show you four ways. The first way is this, ignorance loses us power. For many people, we just don't know what's available at our disposal. It could be through lack of proper teaching on the subject. If my iPhone is dead, what do I do? What do we do? Where do we charge it? What do we look for immediately? Charger. Then after the charger, what do we look for? A socket and then we put it there. Imagine when my son was two years old and I was... Badly parenting him by giving him my iPhone to watch things. Let he who has an ear hear. <laughs> and as he was watching, 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 the thing went off. And then he was crying, crying, Mommy, Daddy, where, where? I said, What's wrong with you? Go and charge it. And he's looking. Hey, <laughs> Because he doesn't understand what I'm saying. The power is there to charge the phone, but he is ignorant about the power. It doesn't change the availability of the power, but he lacks the understanding for it, to access it. Ignorance loses us power. We may have been badly taught about it. And this is related to this is the second one. You know another thing that loses us power? This one I know personally. Overreaction loses us power. Overreaction. You know what overreaction is? As Emmanuel once said, when we grow up, when we are young, from like zero to like 10, 11, our parents are always right. Then from like 12 to like 28, 29, 30, our parents are always wrong. Then from like 30-something, it's not even when you say that parents were right. It's that somebody says, ah, your sister says, that sounds like mommy when you talk. (laughs) So I say, yeah, I started talking like my dad. Yeah, I started talking like my mom. You now start saying, My parents knew something. (laughs) What happened in the middle? You overreacted. And so many times you grew up in a setting where the things about power were said in a particular way. Then you got wiser. You found Google. You found some nice, one new nice preacher. One new nice theologian. And then all of a sudden, all the people that God graciously sent your way at one point, they were all wrong. You overreacted. And as you were overreacting, throwing the, 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 the theological basket into the spiritual waters, you know what you lost? You lost power also. Overreaction. And this overreaction maybe now you are now part of a group of people and you all like to look down at the people that you are coming out from and because you are there now, all of a sudden you start thinking, just like we used to say, mommy and daddy knew something. It's like so that people knew something. But fear stops you because you don't want to be separated from your new crowd. And whilst you are keeping your new crowd happy, the devil is very happy because he's keeping you powerless. Yeah, yeah. Hey, may somebody be delivered in this plant yeah. In the name of Jesus. Overreaction loses us power. Sin loses us power. Sin. Oh yes, that word. The mere fact that you started throwing away that word is part of how you are losing power. Because once we throw away the word, we then say that it's not happening to us. Sin, another way of translating sin, is literally self love. What was Adam and Eve? Let's break it down. It's not too hard. At the very beginning. Adam and Eve, Genesis 1 27, 28. In fact, don't 20, even 26. God said, Let us make what? In what? So when God made them, they were created in what? They were created in what? They were created in what? So they were like God. Were they like God? They were like God, Abby, What was Satan's temptation? In the day that you will eat this tree, of this tree, you will be like what? They were already like God, but Satan was offering them supposedly something more. Whenever somebody offers you something more than what God has done, just know it is a lie. God made them in his image out of his love. They could not care for themselves more than God cared for them. But they, dece- they, were, they were deceived by the lie to say that actually I care for myself more than God cares for me. Self-interest, self-love, and the whole world was plunged into chaos. Every time you commit a sin, whenever you sleep with who you are not meant to sleep with, what you are trying to say is that God's laws are not an expression of God's love. It's an expression of God's... God is just, he didn't soji, God is not, he's just grouchy. God's laws, God's rules, are an expression of his love. What is the greatest commandment in the law? Love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself so that love is the summary of the law. Self-love. Whenever you are, write this down, whenever you are a lawbreaker, it is because you are a lawmaker. We say, God, this your law that I'm going to break is not good enough. So I am going to make my own laws. You said I should not sleep with her or I shouldn't sleep with him. God, you are wicked, I am going to abandon it, and I'm going to make my own law that says, if I started dating somebody for three months, it is allowed. A lawbreaker is always a lawmaker. But when God, you break God's laws, you are breaking something that is loving towards you. When you make your own law, it's always about self-love. And self-love is a contracting, say it with me, False. It will destroy you. So when we sin we don't know we are doing ourselves. And let me tell you there is what you are doing to yourself but make no mistake. You are making the biggest mistake of your life because the best thing you can want in life is for God to be on your side. The worst thing you can want in life is for God to not be on your side. James chapter 4 verse 6 watch. He says, but he gives more grace. That is why scripture says God or Poses the proud, but he shows faith to the humble. You say, how am I proud? I don't, I'm not arrogant. The heart of pride is not arrogance. The heart of pride is self-centeredness. So you can be arrogant, that is self-centeredness manifested from a superiority complex, or you can be, you can also still be prideful, you know, those who have low self-esteem. That is pride manifested through an inferiority complex. Pride manifested through a superiority complex is arrogance. Low self-esteem is pride manifested through an inferiority complex. At the end of the day, whether you say, Booga, look at me. Or you say, oh, look at me, look at me. And every time they want to do something, you are still proud. As long as you don't give God his glory, he will come in opposition. And if God comes in opposition, who can stand against the Lord? No one can. You don't, you don't, you don't, the power has not been given to you. So sin robs you of power. He opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Look at verse 8. So submit yourselves then. Submit yourselves. Oh, sorry, 8, 8. Don't go to 8. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. If God is on your side, no one can be against you. Whilst he opposes the proud, what does he do? He gives grace. No, he doesn't give grace. He always gives double for your trouble. He doesn't give grace. He gives, go to verse six. Watch. He gives more grace. Why don't you be on the Lord's side? I will be given to you. Then finally, brokenness leaves us power, loses us power. The truth is that some of us are here, and man, my heart goes out to you. Maybe right now you are in your third failed business. And the last thing you want to do now is to worship God. You are in your third broken relationship. The last thing you want to do is to be with the people of God. At this point, you have said something like this. God exists. God cares for people. He doesn't care about me. You are broken. And because you are broken, you've summarized and you've summed up what you think God thinks about you. And so you are staying away from the source of all power. Ignorance loses us power. Overreaction loses us power. Sin loses us power. And brokenness loses us power. But if power can be lost, what politicians will tell you is that power can be gained back. There was a man who shall remain nameless, He came to power in 1983 and he lost power in 1985. He tried once in 2003, he didn't gain the power. He tried in 2007, he didn't gain the power. He tried in 2011, he didn't gain the power. But when the fullness of time came, a broom appeared. And he gained power again. If you can lose power, I am here to tell you the good news. Oh, Christian, if you are here without power, by the special grace of the Lord, you can gain that power again. For God truly is a God of second chance. If you are here, you've never had access to that power. You will receive that power. Why? Through what we can call an inauguration of power. There is an inauguration. But for those who are... Gained the power before, but I've lost it. There is a process, it's called restoration. And for those who already have it and you're working in it, don't think that that's the end. There is something called expansion. Either way, all of us are going to be happy. For the power of the Lord is here. There is a way. Don't forget how we started. God is love. And if God is love, out of his love comes what? But who is the giver of that power? The Holy Spirit. So in Ephesians 5.18, it's like Paul knows that. For those who lose power, he says, keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, if you take alcohol, Abby, if you take alcohol, for I know none of us here takes, right? But let's assume those people that take. Okay, 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 let's, let's drink. Okay, let's stop, let's stop. Okay, we take. And eh, it's there, you know, the Bible says, Jesus turned water into wine, Open the eyes of the blind. There's no, oh, sorry, that's not the Bible. But you know what I mean. So, we can take wine. Some of us take wine. No problem, right? But, if you take wine too much and you become drunk, so I'm not talking about some of you here. None of us here have ever gotten drunk, so let's let's put it there. We bind the spirit of lies in this place, oh Lord. He says, if you get drunk with wine, it leads to the butchery. Now, here's one thing I know about getting... Sorry, one thing that we know about people getting drunk. When you get drunk, at some point you will get sober. And if you want to get drunk again, what do you do? You go back to the bottle. And you drink it, fill yourself with it again. If you get drunk in the spirit, some sometime it may dissipate. But there is an endless supply of the spirit of God. If you are dry today, let me tell you, there is a water, there is a well that runs deeper than Jacob's well. If you drink from it, I'm telling you, you will shine again. So how do we gain? The first one we gain by understanding. Knowledge and understanding. You see, if ignorance, as we said, disempowers, truth then empowers. Because to walk in ignorance is really to walk without understanding. They say knowledge is power, isn't it? Knowledge is power. Therefore, God's knowledge is what? God's power. Amen? Remember what I said, if my iPhone dies, I know that there is a socket I can plug there. But with my son, my son, who is two years old, the power is there. But he. You know what he doesn't lack? My son doesn't lack knowledge about the socket. He's always seen the socket. So I'm like, go and charge it. I've provided everything to offer me. It's there. There's 24 hours power. Your mom and I are slaving to pay for that just do the just work and just go and put it there I, if I, if well, I said look at look at and he's looking at the socket but he doesn't go there he has knowledge of where the sec, of where the socket was but he doesn't have understanding of what the socket does. Proverbs 4 verse 1 and 7 says this my son, Listen to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. Over seven, wisdom's beginning is this. Get wisdom, though it costs you all you have. Get what? Understanding. So at some point, that boy that was two... After like two years observing that when the thing looks blank, daddy goes, puts it in there. And then 30 minutes after daddy comes back, he's looking at it. At two, he's still trying to process it. He sees it enough times. By three, he's like... "Eh." Okay, it's like this thing is the stuff, but then he doesn't know how to put it inside the three pins. But he looks at me again. He looks at me again. He has moved from knowledge to understanding. He has observed me and the knowledge has now moved to understanding so that he too can now have access to the power. In the name of Jesus, may the Lord start to change our minds. Let knowledge move to understanding. Don't forget, that is why he says the gospel is not just knowledge. The gospel is power. Our doctrinal foundations need to change. If you've had bad theology on this thing, then recalibrate it. We must have truth in our doctrine. We must have truth in our morality. We must have truth in our spirituality to be empowered. Understanding empowers. The second one is if understanding gains us power. This one, can I be honest with you people right now, I struggle to put it. I put it and I slept over it and many times I said I wanted to remove it. But the time I want to remove it, God will say, is it your truth or my own truth? But I said, God, I don't want wala. I don't want wala. He said, ah. that sounds like an overreaction, doesn't it? Knowledge gains you power. Impartation gains you power. What I'm going to talk about can be very controversial and dangerous. But the truth is the truth. The reason why many people have overreacted is because, and I'm very skeptical about this, is because there has been abuse of this thing. There has been a thorough abuse of it. I don't speak everywhere. I can just speak about here that I know in Nigeria. We have seen... Terrible abuses of this impartation thing, and so I struggled because I like "Ah, I don't want to be perceived differently and all of that. And then I heard another voice say that sounds very much like self-love, isn't it? God just was serving me breakfast up and about. How do you fight an abuse? You don't fight an abuse by keeping the abuse quiet. We remedy an abuse by recovering its proper use. We remedy an abuse by recovering the proper use. Guys, we can't ignore impartation. Romans 1, verse 11. Paul says he had been staying away. He has not been able to come to the church in Rome. He had been resisted for a while. He couldn't. But now he says, I long to see you so that what I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. At verse 12, he was now saying that also we will be mutually encouraged. Right? He said we will be mutually encouraged. But let me tell you. Paul was the apostle. The people in Romans were not the apostle. So what Paul is imparting to them is not them. They're not imparting the same thing. Are you following me? I want to impart. Impartation leads to impact. What do I mean? Impartation comes from... How do we do it? It really comes from following... Someone with a particular grace intently for a while. Well, there are two ways. Let me put it this way. There are two ways. One is this. You identify that someone has a particular grace. And you follow that person for a while. You watch those per- person for a while. You study that person for a while. And all of a sudden, you find out that you start to behave like that person. For those of us who are preachers here, here's one thing I know. Here's one thing I know because it happened to me and it happens to all of you. If you are going to deeper life for a while, I can assure you the first time they tell you to preach, you now say, well, you know, as the Lord has said, be ye holy, for without holiness no man shall see the Lord. Once you have worked Pastor Kumui for such a long time, his mannerisms itself starts to impart on you. Many of us have been imparted by our tradition here in Nigeria Christianity. You know one of the funniest things that happens to me when I lived abroad for a while? I went for a prayer meeting in one nice evangelical church. And so it was time to pray. And I started praying. And when I prayed and I said, you know, Father, we thank you that we are here. We thank you for how you've blessed us. Father, receive the thanks in Jesus' name. (laughs) And Father, Lord, we know that you are here in our midst for where two or three are gathered in our midst. We know that you are there. Father, we celebrate you for you are here in Jesus' name. Father, I I ask that this, our meeting will be blessed. What do they do, Nana? Are you not listening to me? I'm saying in Jesus' name. Ah. Then one person now starts praying. And the guy prays for three minutes. And he did not say in Jesus' name. Is this person a Christian? (laughs) Then at the end of it, he now said, Receive our thanks. In Jesus' name. And me, I'm about to say amen, and nobody says, the person then says, I say amen with the person. In Jesus' name, I say amen with the person, then everybody else says amen. Because in that kind of community, they've imparted themselves that. You only say in Jesus' name once, the person that is praying then says amen, then everybody else says amen. (laughs) Teaching doctrine eventually impart. If you follow somebody for a while, eventually it will impart to you. In a more direct sense, we call that mentoring. Paul says that you have known me and my way of life. He says the things that you have learned of me, he didn't say of all Christians. The things that you have learned of me, Timothy, commit that to faithful men that will teach others also. I came to impart some spiritual gift to you. And sometimes this mentoring relationship, is it is agreed between the Paul and the Timothy, between the Paul and the Silas, between the John Mark and Barnabas, between them. It's agreed, but other times it is a one-way street. I just see somebody, I watch his sermons and everything. I Listen, if you've seen any grace in me, it is not original in me. It is the grace of God through the graces of people. And he gave some to be apostles and to be prophets and to be evangelists and to be pastors and to be teachers for the equipping of the saints. But it was the ascended Christ that gave those gifts of men to men. If you deny this thing, you will be denying something. There is such a thing as impartation, impartation of grace. How can I be following? How can I say I'm looking for the teaching gift and the only person I follow is somebody that has the gift of encouragement and mercy. You won't get the teaching gift. You you won't grow in it. That is one way of impartation. You've consistently followed somebody for a while. That is over a period of time. This one is the I've not even gotten to the controversial. Now I'm getting to the controversial. Another way, I don't know how else to say it. Let me put it in another let me Let me set it up this way. Let me set it up this way. Remember I said that we have four accounts of the gospel. And these are different people looking at it from different sides. It's the one thing. But I would say, if you want to get the full picture, panoply of everything, it is good for you to read all of them. Right? You get a fuller picture. And I often see the body of Christ in that way. I said this at some earlier time, whether it was today or or, last, or yesterday that part of the privilege God has given me is by operating, I have been part of at least 11 or 12 different Christian congregations. Uh, Not congregations, movements or or denominations or what have you. And you can see different things from different sides. And let me tell you, I have been personally impacted by Western Christianity in a way I thank God that I was exposed to. To think systematically about something, to to be able to exegete it takes very well, to think laterally, to do biblical theology in an organized way. I have been greatly God, the God that poured his Holy Spirit and his power upon the West and used the providence in their thinking, the enlightenment that came and structured the way they think. And how that then translated to, to theology. I thank God for my Western brothers. I thank God for the Western forbearers. They have brought their gift to the table. I remember there was this thing called Source Awards. Source Awards was these hip-hop <laughs> awards, right? Back in the day. And in 1993 ninety three or ninety-four? The most heated one was about to happen. It was because, because that time that was the, the heady days of West Coast versus East Coast. You know, West Side, like that, that kind of thing. Yes, yes, we had we had we had those days where we are there, but we are not here. Old things are passed away. But even though old things are passed away, old things are never forgotten away. And in the midst of the West Coast and the East Coast, there was an award that was up there. The West Coast people were thinking they'll get it. The East Coast people were thinking they'll get it because those were the two powerhouses of rap. But then there was one little group in the South. They were, called, they were just totally ignored. The group was called Outcast, And without, like David and Goliath, outcasts were now called and people were booing and everything. And one of the guys said these most famous words. His name is Andrew 3000. When he got up and said, look at all these things. We are just being ignored all the time. He said, the South has got something to say. Let me tell you, when it comes to theology, yes, we thank God for the West. But Africa has got something to say. Come on. And on this next other kind of impartation, I am trying to say also. And I must put all the caveats here. What is the caveat? Man of God's syndrome, Papa Mike, all of those kind of things. Let's put this away. But I can tell you this. There is a part of impartation where the person who has the grace will pray for you. You seek that this person... No, you pray for me. I can't. I don't know how to explain it, but it is different. Paul said it. One Timothy... Uh, 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 two Timothy... Uh, uh, 1 Timothy 4 verse 14. Do not neglect the gift, your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders did what? They laid their hands on you. That was the body of elders. Personally, this was done to me. I can tell you in 2008. And prophecy came. And the prophecy, I saw the prophecy fulfilled everything that was said there two years after. Body of elders. 2 Timothy 1. Verse 6, Paul says, for this reason, I remind you to find into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of none of my hands. And look at what he then says in verse 7 when we talk about power. Because that gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, is it there? For so the spirit that God has given you, right, is not the spirit of timidity or fear, but what? He gives us what? Power. Through the laying none of his hands. Impartation normally should be over a period of time, but by God it can be instantaneous. And there shall be an impartation this evening yes. of the power of God. Yes. Because listen, if somebody said oh, no, 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 now let's say you want to put on your Western theological lens. And you say, no, no, but I'm not quite sure about the mechanics. Show me how. Show me, b- bring romance, bring everything good. I quoted scripture for you, but it's not enough. You say, explain, break down the Greek. But I'm saying you will Greek yourself out of this thing. If you say somebody is beautiful, if I say my wife is beautiful, then somebody says, analyze it, please. <laughs> like, well, and yeah, yeah, show me how. Uh, is it how, how, how what, her, her cheekbones have to be four, by four <laughs> centimeters, then the eyes have to be. It, it can't shut be. Is this how we analyze beauty? Listen, the more you look at certain things that are mysteries, the less you see. When the spirit of God falls upon somebody by the laying of hands, it's not an explanation. You will know that power has changed hands. Because listen. The one way I can assure you that you will not get a grace from someone, it is called dishonor. These men that are here, I love them. I love them as persons. They are my brothers. They are my brothers. Do you understand? But in the love I have for them as brothers, there's only some kind of access I can get from them. If I have to get the gift that God has given Scott out of him, not only must I love Scott as a person, I must honor the gift and the office that God has given him. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you will get the prophet's reward. It is not if I receive Scott in the name of Scott. If I love Scott in the name of Scott. But if I receive Scott in the office and the gift that God has given to him. All of a sudden, that thing comes out of him. And I am imparted. And at that point, you don't need to have an explanation. A friend of mine's parents. They celebrated 50 years of marriage this year. 50 years. I said, eh? 50 years? 50 years. Tosi, babes, come, 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 come. <laughs> I got the phone. Mommy, congratulations. Happy anniversary. Fifty, God is good. Ah, Pastor I said, Mommy, mommy, wait, hold on. Me and my wife are kneeling down. Pray for us. Pray for us. Let me tell you something. I don't remember a word of what she said. Because when somebody has a grace, it is not about the words of what they say when they pray. It is out of what they have, they give to you. Silver and gold, have I not? But such as I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. I said there is a grace that is going to be imparted here this night. You recognize it, you accept it, you celebrate it. Now here is the carefulness we must have. Samson had a terrible character. You don't overlook Samson's character, but by God, you know that when Samson lifted the gates, now power did they all. And the Bible says it was the Spirit of God that rushed upon Samson. His character led him to his death. Even in death, Samson said, Give me vengeance over my enemies. It, it was always God's enemies. He killed more people in his death than in his life. You want to hear a secret? I listen and listen intently to people who I disagree with doctrinally. If this person knows how to pray, I listen to the person. Because I honor the grace that is there. This person that can teach but doesn't know how to pray, I listen to the person because I honor... I will have people that will now be telling me this person doesn't. Are you sure? Are you as the person is doing that? Do you see what's happening? He's not gaining any power. I just say, Thank you. I know it's not like I don't have sex. I'm seeing it. <laughs> but when I start listening to this person, I know my prayer life started changing. When I was listening to your own person, I have plenty of words. No, no prayer. Do <laughs> you know what I realized? I realized, ah, those people, they were right about something. I started to have, by God's grace, my own spiritual maturity. If there are people you have dishonored, out of overreaction, can I beg you, you can honor them again. If there are traditions, if there were churches you came out of, I am not necessarily saying go back. I am not going back to where I was. But go back and honor them. Because there is a power that is there that you will not have access to if you don't honor them. Impartition gets us honor. Impartation gains us power. But I have one more. I have one more. The final one. Prayer and worship. In Acts chapter 4, verse 24 to 25, after the people of God had been told, the new Christians were told, do not speak about this Jesus again. Do not speak about this Jesus again. He said, Do not speak about this Jesus again. Do you know what they did? Do you know what they did? They called Joseph of Arimathea because he was a man that was a Christian that was in high places so that he could now talk to the people and he could influence them. You understand? You, is, that, is that what they did? Is, is that what they did? They, they made connection calls. Eh, eh, No, okay. What happened was they called Gamaliel and they called another new Christian theologian to say, "How how do we consider this concept of the persecution of the people of God? Can you submit a paper here? You submit a paper from the Jewish, from the Christian, and we will examine it. When we start to use words to cover up things, we know how to use words to cover up our fears. That's the truth. We are afraid. We don't want to say we are afraid. So we multiply words. It's at that point people start talking about the Greek and the Hebrew. No power. They realized that one power was coming against them. Now this is where the knowledge came in. You see, one of the things that we do, and we are going to do it here today. I always believe in it: praying with scriptures. They realized that this power was coming against them—the Sanhedrin and the teachers of all of those people were power. The power was coming against them, and they themselves were powerless. But they knew where the socket was, and they knew what the socket does. So they went. They could connect it biblically, theologically to Psalm 2. And they now spoke prophetically. You see, sometimes when we pray and we bring some other scriptures, some people will be saying, yeah, I'm not quite sure that's where that scripture applies to. No, I can look at it exegetically, but I can also look at it prophetically. So they now connected their situation to Psalm 2. And they now said, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in what? Prayer! We are powerless because we are prayerless. And so they said, sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In other words, there is no, there is no limit to your power. Jeremiah says, our Lord God, thou has made the heavens and the earth with thy great what? Power. They knew the source of power. He said, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David. They are quoting scripture. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? When we think about the gospel on the move, let me tell you something. Just as in the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God is being resisted fiercely. But what happens when the same thing is the unstoppable force is also the immovable object. Every object shall be taken out of the way. When we call upon the name of the Lord, we say, why do they rage? Why do they imagine a vain thing? Why do the kings of the earth set themselves? But the Lord who is in heaven, he shall look at them and he shall laugh. Are there people that can call upon that God and say, God, laugh at them and let your gospel go ahead. It is our knowledge and understanding that makes us call upon his name. And by the time they were finished... The people who once were shaking. By the time they prayed. Now they were not the ones shaking. The room was shaking. Because power came again. After they had prayed. The place where they were meeting. Was shaking. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. I have asked the Lord for one thing this night. That the people shall call upon his name. And we will shake this room. Because when we shake this room and we call upon his name, he said, now in the last days, I will shake the heavens once more so that the things that remain shall be the eternal ones. God will shake this nation. And when the gospel goes ahead, you will see that the gospel itself is the immovable object because it cannot be shaken, but it is the unstoppable force for nothing shall stand in its way. Because they prayed. But there's one more thing. (laughs) Oh, Lord, He will do something new in our day. That force came back. But now it wasn't to the people in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 16, it was against Paul and Silas. And now they were locked in prison. And when they were locked in prison, you can imagine... (laughs) We're talking about reaching out to unbelievers. They go there, and the prisoners will have been asking themselves, "You why are you here? We why are you here? I have ten years. I have twenty years. Why are you? What brought you in here? Now, what is your hope of getting out?" And one will say, "Ah, I used to even serve God before, but this God has just left me here." You see that thing they tell us about Joseph? It was just fantasy. I've stopped praying, no. Oh. I have stopped praying. Sing, sing, who sings? But you say, but the truth is that. I was here, I did bad, I did bad. I did small bad, it wasn't too much. I know my friend that did Yahoo and he took like $20,000. I took $200. I have some bad. You, Uncle. I shouldn't have beaten my wife to put her in hospital, but she shouldn't have burned the food. So, but I did something bad. You guys, Uncle. Uh, we are here because we were preaching the name of Jesus Christ. Ah. At least we we know why we are here. There is something. But you, the God that you serve, why are you not here? I thought it was all powerful. I beg, John, leave all that thing. They were put in a cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. And then it says in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. And we talked about that. Prayer moves things. But after that, it says something else. Hmm. They not only prayed, what did it say? It says they sang, they were singing hymns to God. And what happened? The other prisoners were listening. When we sing, it says, let the nations be glad. Let them hear. Let the nations to sing and rejoice. Our music itself is something, is a witness of what we want to see the nations become. But listen, music is warfare. Do you understand? Let me explain it. It's the worst thing Satan can hear. I've been talking about music a lot today, so let me tell you. Back in the day, one group I liked, I really liked them. I mean, I still like them. They're still one of the greatest bands ever. Some of us will have heard of them. They're a group called a rock band, but an alternative rock band called Radiohead. I know most of us wouldn't have heard, but just hold on. Now, Radiohead are not everyone's cup of tea. When I used to play Radiohead in my car in Unilag you often get people starting like this. And my favorite song from Radiohead was a song called Paranoid Android. So usually somebody who can into into car, you know, they want to because you get them free ride. Or you put that free ride, you know, like, you see, we know you. So you get them free ride, so they want to behave as though they are bobbing to you. At some point, they want to, bu- and they I was like, this thing is strange. They look at you. But you know, that was back then. But recently, my wife and some of the closest people to us were around in the house. And I said, let me just, let's just do a little bit of nostalgia. I'm like, because this music is really good. Like, if you really sit down and listen to it. So, I played it. This music I love. And my wife was, I think, the way she looked at me was like, who is this person I married? <laughs> because if you like, the, what is this? All of them were, they were like, you know, that I was there, Ben was there, Ben didn't want to tell me anything, you know, he wanted to respect me. But they were just like, this thing, this thing is noise. <laughs> this thing is noise to them, it was gritting their ear. I was like, just wait, the best part is coming, the best part is coming. When I go to the best part, they were like, what is this? Just put this thing off. But for me, it was a wonderful song. The same song was noise to some people. The same song was sweet to another person. Whenever we sing the praises of God in the midst of our suffering, it sounds like Radiohead to tossing. But it sounds like Radiohead. It sounds like. Radio, it sounds. The sound is like the you radio head to tossing to the devil. But it is like radiohead to ferment to God. It's like noise to the devil. How is it that they are singing this song? Despite all of this suffering. And he cannot stand it. It confuses him. But to God it's like this is the most wonderful thing ever. And so, when God sees that these people are singing, despite all of this, Satan is confused. And at that point, God is like, "What is going on there?" He gets up from his throne. He calls the angels. He says, "It's like my people are in trouble. They are in chains. They must get up now." This Bible. Look at what verse 26 says. Verse 26 says, "They say that." Put it there. Next. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaking. And at once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose and an angel came after them. Listen, there is a way when we sing, the song of the redeemed is noise and terror in the enemy's camp. Oh, I remember there was a song. I don't want to sing now because my voice is gone. I don't want to serenade you people. But there was a song by Phillips Craig and Craig and Dean. He says something like this: "says But his favorite song of all is the song of the redeemed. When lost sinners, when lost sinners, uh, no, when, when his favorite song of all is the song of redeemed. When lost sinners now made clean, eh? I don't forget. <laughs> song of all song of redeemed. When well, lost sinners, yes, when lost sinners now made clean." His favorite song of all is the song of the redeemed. When lost sinners now made clean, lift their voices loud and strong. When those purchased by his blood lift to him a song of love, there is nothing he'd rather hear that's so pleasing to his ears than his favorite song of all. When God, look, when music hits, my favorite music gets to me, I must move my body. When that music is, even people say that don't like it, whether you like them or you don't like them, you go still, they shake body. When that music gets to God, the song of the redeemed, all of a sudden, God starts to melody enter enters in his heart. He cannot but sign blessing unto us. Whenever we are filled with the Spirit, do you know the first thing that Paul says in Ephesians 5 verse 18? He does not say we preach. He does not say that we serve the poor. He does not say that we evangelize. He says instead be filled with the Spirit. What comes after that? He says speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Oh, will you sing the redeemed of the Lord? Whenever you sing, all of a sudden, you have access to power. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.